Cheryl Prashker, and this is FolkPod, the podcast where we'll hear from some of the most prolific and talented musicians on the folk scene. So get ready for a deep dive into a life lived through music in the studio, on the road, and now more than ever online. If we're lucky, they might even play us a tune and help us figure out what folk music really is all about. This week's guest is Chris Matthews. Already being hailed as the next Woody Guthrie and compared to Tracy Chapman, D.C. resident Chris Matthews is among the brightest stars of the new generation of social justice music makers. Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Uh, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for taking the time, and I look forward to uh, introducing you to hopefully a new audience and getting a chance to catch up with you and see what's been going on the last couple of years. Sounds good. I think we actually met probably at NERFA, mm-hmm. I would think, which I've talked a lot about on this show, the show, the Northeast Regional Folk Alliance. How did you actually find out about that whole Folk Alliance world? Gosh, honestly, I can't even remember at this point. I just know that when I moved to Northern Virginia, I'm originally from North Carolina. So when I moved to Northern Virginia, which is basically the D.C. suburbs, as I'm getting involved with like the folk club in this area and starting to play music, I think it must have been Ron Goad. Oh, yeah. That said, you need to go to Nerfa. You know, I was like, what is that? I've never even heard of that. What is that? <laughs> and he was just like, oh, it's so great. And this was back when they were still at the place in the Catskills. Oh, so you did make it there. Okay, cool. I did. The okay. one time. I only had the pleasure just once. <laughs> and then I, I was in another place the next time I went. But the first time I went, I, of course, was completely overwhelmed. And as I like to say, didn't do any of it right. Yeah. There is definitely a right and a wrong way to do NERFA and Folk Alliance. And until you've experienced it, you really can't tell what is right and what is not right. Isn't it hard to explain to the civilians what it's all about? It really is. Yeah. When I talk about it now, I like to say it's kind of like the uh, NFL draft for folk musicians. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it feels like most of the time. So they're just like scouting all the talent, you know, it's the combine, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. But it was incredible. You know, it, it opened my eyes up to a lot very quickly. And I definitely have enjoyed all of the nerfs that I've been able to attend in Folk Alliance as well. Oh, it's a great experience. For me, it's about community. And for me, because I had the same experience as you, my first time at, at the NERFA conference, I was overwhelmed. You know, I definitely went into my hotel room, shut the door and had a good cry, asked myself, <laughs> what am I doing here? Yeah. And why don't I know what a gorilla showcase is and everybody else does, right? <laughs> like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> the best thing for me <laughs> is finding gems like you. Oh, thank you. No, seriously, like, I can't speak for everybody, but I'm going to try to speak for everybody when I say, when we heard you sing and and when you sort of hit the scene, it was like just this breath of fresh air and just this awesome sound and incredible lyrics and just awesomeness. And I'm so, so glad that you have embraced the community as I know the community has embraced you. Yeah, most definitely. I'm excited about that. And I think that's like kudos to you because it's definitely an overwhelming (laughs) right but it's just a great community you know you meet a whole bunch of people and you get a chance to meet artists that you can then maybe tour with or maybe stay with on the road like have you found that so i have a honda element and i love that car so much and it is like the musician's dream vehicle it is so perfect for sleeping in and camping out in it's got to be really cold outside for me to not want to just be in my car after a show because it's like there's so much energy that you know and I'm so exhausted and it's just so quiet in there and like it's so familiar because I'm driving all the time so I'm so used to being in there it's almost like this little miniature camper van and so it's my little space it's like my little hobbit hole so it's (laughs) it is very rare for me to be 
not just literally in my element. Yeah, no. <laughs> so I love it. It's got to be either incredibly <laughs> cold or just a long string of shows because I'm also very, very neurotic about showering and stuff. And so like, of course, yeah, if it's not those two things, chances are good. I'm just pulled over on 95 in Connecticut somewhere. <laughs> really? Yeah. You're awesome. You're like a serious road warrior. That's so cool. Yeah. It's a nice bit of solace. I actually really enjoy it so much. What was your upbringing like in terms of music? And was there music in school? I know, especially as a drummer myself, I was like tickled pink to see that you did drumline stuff. Oh yeah. Such a band nerd. Yeah. yeah. Uh, me too. I was actually the drum major in my high school. So wow. I actually grew up in southeastern North Carolina, a little tiny town called Richlands, North Carolina. And my mom is a, a preacher uh, ordained in the AME church. My family has deep, deep ties to that church, literally helped build that church. And so my first love was gospel music, as is the case with so many Black Southerners. I grew up singing right. in the gospel choir and singing gospel songs with my mom on car rides to and from my grandparents' house and things like that. And so that was my first love. And of course, then growing up, because so many of the soul musicians also have their roots in the gospel church. You know, Sam Cooke was a gospel artist before he was a pop artist. Same thing with Aretha Franklin. So, right. so many of those soul musicians, that familiarity, I, you know, I grew up listening to Sam and to Aretha and to Otis and to all of them as well. Once I was a little bit older then of course, pop music of my era that kicked in, you know, I like that because I like to dance and stuff too. So right. I have like this very serious folk side, but then I have this very, very relaxed side too. And that side definitely listens to a lot of pop music. But I mostly grew up listening to gospel and to soul music. And then once I fell in love with classical music and started participating in band, I just have such a deep love for classical music as well. Right on. And then in college, if you're a lesbian like me, that's where you fall in love with women's music because right everybody at, at that time was like, oh my God, Ani DeFranco, Ani DeFranco. And then Ani is like her own gateway into like so much other amazing women's music. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I have quite an eclectic musical palette. I think that sometimes comes out in my songs. No, that's amazing. I mean, I'm so happy to hear that. And I'm glad to hear you were a band geek as well. Yes. Proud, proud band nerd. <laughs> so I read in Metro Weekly that incredible article. You know, I highly recommend people checking that out. I know the link is on your Facebook page a ways down. Thank you. You know, you were just so forthcoming with your experiences growing up in the South as a lesbian. I just yeah. was blown away by just how you came across and how thoughtful. Yeah. I can't imagine how easy it was or was not, but what was that like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I tried to always be an open book just because I do check so many boxes. <laughs> and so I know what it would have meant to me as like a little right. baby lesbian just starting out to be able to hear somebody that was like me talking freely about being like me. So I always try to be an open book because of that. Representation is such a powerful thing. And so, yeah, I try to always just be very, very open about all, all aspects of who I am. So yeah, it was interesting growing up in the South is its own unique thing, being Black and from the South. And then, of course, growing up as a lesbian with a preacher for a mom, that is its own journey, to say the very least. <laughs> and so, oh, the stories I could tell. My goodness. I have this really oh. cool, uh, Garnett Rogers gave me a copy of his phenomenal, like that thick book that's like a Bible. Isn't it amazing? I feel like I could probably come pretty close to that, yeah. even in my young, young age, just because of all of the various things I've been through. Wow. Yeah. Why don't you? 
I would egg you on. Who knows what's in store for the future? But yeah, yeah, I mean, it really was interesting. So my teenage years were incredibly tumultuous just because growing up with a preacher for a mom and then coming out, that was really, really hard. This was in the late, late 90s where it was not nearly what it is today to be LGBTQ, to not have that sense of freedom and, and have all of that familial support and things like that. And so it was a crazy time. Pretty much my senior year of high school, I barely lived at home, like at all. I probably was at home maybe five days out of a month, if even that, just because it was so rough. You wrote about a good friend and your friend's mom and how she sort of helped you through that. Yeah, she really did. She quite honestly saved my life. It is a very difficult thing to go from being the center of your mother's universe, the center of her world, to being the thing that is creating the most grief and the most pain in her life on a daily basis. That's a very hard realization for a kid who is fairly emotionally intelligent to witness that. So it was hard. It was very hard. But it's also one of those things where the relationship that she and I have now is so incredible And were it not for that, who knows? We take relationships for granted so easily as people. You know, we think people are always going to be there, that things are always going to be the same. Right. And having been on that journey with her, the full arc of that journey, I am incredibly grateful for it. One, because it gives me an opportunity to speak very candidly with kids who are going through something similar and be able to say to them and mean it, that it does get better and that it will get better because so many kids don't think that it ever will. And I am living proof that it does. Right. And so in that regard, I'm grateful for every, everything that we went through because who knows what little thing that seems like something hard that I wish I never had to go through, how that actually impacted me for such a positive later in life. So I'm grateful for all of it. Right. Do you go out and never do any speaking engagements at any youth centers or schools? Yeah, I actually just got done doing a speaking engagement for a school here in D.C. that serves predominantly uh, students of color. Uh I love, love, love working with kids. Before I was a folk singer, I had aspirations of being a high school band director. I love working with kids and I love talking to kids, especially about music as well. So, yeah. I actually really, really enjoy that. (laughs) Oh, I hope you do more of it because, I mean, any group of kids that have you come in and chat would be very lucky. Oh, thanks. It's very inspirational to listen to how upbeat you are about things, even if you've gone through some tough stuff. Yeah. And also how grateful you are. Absolutely. That's amazing. So I may be stepping in it when I ask, do you actually mind being compared to Tracy Chapman? (laughs) I wonder if anybody's (laughs) ever asked you that. You know, no one has ever been kind enough to ask me whether or not I'm on, Cheryl. Thank you so much for asking. That means so much. In all honesty, it's very flattering. She is absolutely amazing. I am a huge Tracy Chapman fan myself. It's just always so interesting, though, because stylistically, I really don't think we have a lot in common other than just the way that we look and that we both play guitar. No, no, I'm going to say your voice. I don't know. She's got just this beautiful... I can't even describe like right. the timbre that her voice has. It's so unique and incredible, you know? Right. And it's just because I'm a fan. Like I'm a huge fan. So it's like, it's never offensive to me because she is incredible. Like I literally am a huge Tracy Chapman fan myself. Okay, cool. One of the only times I've ever gone up to somebody and actually asked for an autograph was oh, yeah? Tracy Chapman. Yeah. That's awesome. In uh, Malaprop's bookstore in Asheville, North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Oh yeah. It's like, man, if I ever get the chance to meet her again. Yeah. It's so super cool. I'm a huge fan. So no, it never upsets me because she is so incredible. But I don't know. I feel like we just don't sound a thing alike. I don't know. I've just been listening to some songs and I've been closing my eyes and it has nothing to do with the guitar and the looks. What do you think it is? Is it the tremolo? What is it? A little bit. And your range 
I don't know. It's hard to explain. All right. I'm going to take your word for it because you are definitely not alone. I literally hear it every day. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah. that's pretty cool. And there hasn't been anybody like her since her not to throw the pressure up there on you. I know. Gosh, (laughs) such shoes to fill. Such shoes to fill. (laughs) We're living in a crazy time. And one of the things that really struck me really, really, really hard was a video you put up right after one of the shootings about a month ago. Mm. You just poured your heart out and it must have taken a lot of courage to do that. It did. It was after Dante Wright was killed. Yeah, that was it. You know, I am very candid with my audiences when I'm on that stage and speaking to them about the songs because I, I sing about a lot of heavy stuff, but I'm also a very, very private person. I don't usually, what I like to call, let my titanium wall down very often publicly at all. (laughs) But that particular morning, it wasn't worth it or necessary. It wasn't serving me or serving anybody else to hold all of that in. And so I just sat down and just started talking to them because I felt like there was something that too many people are just still not getting. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to have them sit there and maybe look me in my eyes and maybe see something that they have not been able to see in all of this time with all of these other shootings, with all of this other tragedy. And it was it was surprising how many people took the time to watch it. I mean, it's not a short video and how many people took the time to yeah. really, really soak that in and share that. You hit the nail right on the head. You really, really, really did. Yeah, yeah. So it meant a lot to have so many people respond to it. And for so many people who find themselves in the capacity of ally and get it and not necessarily have the tools to be able to Mm -hmm. speak to other people that way and feel like this was something that could help them maybe do that. That was pretty powerful. I'm grateful that so many people took the time to watch that and share that. I have a question talking about time singing in choirs and whatnot. At what age did you actually realize you had a voice? So this is the thing that's so funny about that. So I feel like I'm like one of the least talented people in my family. Like my family is so great. It was never really a thing. You just were expected to sing in the choir. And it's not like when I was singing in the choir that everybody was just like, oh yeah, she's definitely going to be a singer songwriter because they're all amazing. (laughs) Like, like if it was a family talent show, I might come in fourth, maybe fifth, definitely not necessarily going to be the winner at all. It's like, yes, I won new song, but that's not good enough for Richlands, North Carolina. That literally means nothing down there. It was never a thing where I was like, oh man, yes, I'm really good at singing. I'm definitely going to be a singer when I grow up. It just was never that. I just literally kind of dumb luck found my way to writing songs just because of this really unique step of events that happened. But I never anticipated that I was going to grow up and be a singer songwriter one day. I was real sure I was going to be a band director. It was like a shock to me as as much as everybody else when I was like, I'm going to play guitar and sing some songs. That's funny. So how old were you when you wrote your first song? I must've been 20 when I wrote my very first one. I think I was 20. Was it sort of politically... Driven or was it a love song? (laughs) Not at all. It was a love song. I was deep in the throes of my newfound freedom as an out and proud lesbian. So I was deep in the throes of breakup songs and love songs at that point. (laughs) So, and actually I didn't even play guitar at that point. My very first song was actually written on the keys. I played keys long before I played guitar and actually only learned how to play guitar just to impress a girl in college. So (laughs) cliche. Totally. Talk about everything kind of working for a reason. Oh my God. Question. Now you're left-handed, you picked up a right-handed guitar yep. and you don't restring it. You keep it as is. Was that consciously done or just yeah. because that's the way the guitar was when you got it? 
That was literally the guitar that the girl I was trying to impress owned. She was right-handed and owned a right-handed guitar. And so I picked up her guitar because she wanted to learn how to play. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, you're going to school to be a band director. If you can't learn how to play this thing with only six strings and you play this clarinet with like a million and five keys on it, you know, what are you even doing with your life? So I picked up her guitar and I am left-handed. So I picked it up the way it felt comfortable for me to hold it. And then I just learned the chords. Okay backwards so that I could teach it to her. So I just learned how to play it purely for the purposes of teaching her how to play. Blows me away. Yeah. Then later in life, it occurred to me that, hey, this thing is a lot lighter weight than that keyboard. Maybe you should start writing songs on a guitar instead. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Smart. It's just wild to watch you play. It's just cool. So you never thought about turning it around and... No, I'm an Aries. You know, when I make my mind up about something, that's it. I'm done. So I was like, I've already learned it once. I'm not learning it twice. That's crazy talk. Once is plenty. And then over time, because I'm so used to how it sounds with those bass strings on the bottom, it's such a warm timbre. You know, it's a completely different timbre when you hear that warm, heavy bass at the bottom of the strum. It's like, I don't even think I would enjoy hearing it any other way just because my ear is so used to always hearing it that way. Kathy Fink was teaching me banjo. Oh, yeah. It was such a shock to hear the strings in a different order, even though I don't play. I did at that point, did not play banjo at all. She was like, "Okay, we're going to need to get you one that's actually customized so that the strings make sense to what your ears are used to hearing. Wow. And so I have a custom banjo that it has the drone where it should be, but all the rest of the strings are arranged kind of more so like what my guitar is arranged like so that orally it sounds more like what I'm used to hearing. Oh, nice. I'd like to hear that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Do you play... uh banjo on the new album? Yeah, actually, how many more? Okay. My song about all of the black lives that we've lost in the past couple decades plus. That's actually me playing banjo on that song. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, it was written on guitar, but I wanted to play it on banjo to honor Brianna Taylor, who's oh. from Kentucky, from the Bluegrass State. So oh, that's incredible. Oscar Grant and Eric Garner, Yvette Smith and Shelley Frame, Eric Harris and John Crawford, George Floyd and Freddie Gray, Chantel Davis and Tarika, Brianna Taylor and Kendra James, Romerly Graham, Danny Brumfield, Terrence Crutcher, DeRavis and Don Trey, Amadou Diallo, Sam DeBose and Botham Jean, Jordan Baker and Alton Sterling, Lavon Shem and Stefan, Funville, Maya Hall, Akai Gurley, Philando Ahmad. How many times must my people ask why? How many times must we watch another mother cry? And if we were you, would what you've done be enough? Would our reactions be as hard on you as yours? for that song out yet? There's just a video of me playing it, just sitting sitting in my dining room, playing it, wearing a shirt for something I do called the Don't Forget My Name Project. Mm-hmm. But I haven't made an official video for any of the songs yet, actually, except for Call Them In. 
And that one's got a really awesome video for it that's out okay. floating all around. Cool. That's great. Yeah. So how did you start writing social justice style lyrics and songs? Yeah. So honestly, after Trayvon Martin was killed, it just really struck something in me so deeply. And I think because he looked like the boys I love, my family is so close. I have a huge, huge family and my two youngest boy cousins, they're basically like little brothers to me. We all grew up much more like siblings than we did cousins. And looking at his sweet little face, it was like, I could not look at him and not see them. And to think of something like that happening to them, I couldn't even fathom it. And so I wrote a song called Don't Forget My Name for Trayvon. Well, it was February 26th. The night air was cool and thick It started to rain, I was on my phone It was a little past seven and I was almost home Then a strange man, he caught my eye No matter where I turned, I couldn't get out of his sight I was getting scared, oh, something wasn't right And what happened next would change both our lives I couldn't just back down, but I stood my ground Ain't gonna let nobody turn me around He'll keep living each day, I'll be buried in this grave But I bet you this, he won't forget my name And that was kind of my first social justice song that I actually wrote and put on a CD And then after that, it was like just more and more, you know, it was like at that point I was engaged to my then wife and something about being responsible for another person's happiness in the world. It was like, I just wanted the world to be so much better hmm. than it was. And so I wrote a song about marriage equality, story of the lovings with the story of Edith Windsor and uh, Taya Spire. And it was just like, slowly but surely, it was all I wanted to do. I didn't want to sing those other kinds of love songs. I wanted to sing songs about love changing the world and changing the world in really profound ways, which is what always happens. That's really all social justice is, is like no people yeah. loving other people enough to insist on this world being better. That's incredible. Bravo. And thank you. What a voice to have speak these lyrics. You know, you talk about, especially in that article a little bit anyways, mm -hmm. the fact that uh, a lot of the times you are playing these songs in this folk community primarily to a white audience. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a kind of a beautiful thing because on the one hand, so many people in the folk community are from that amazing generation mm -hmm. of Bob Dylan listeners, of people listening to, to Peter, Paul and Mary, people who were <laughs> what this generation would call woke. That is the generation of folk music listeners back then from people who've been listening to folk music in the 60s and 70s. But even with all of that, as we are now learning more and more and more about things like implicit bias and stuff like that, it's like, even when we think we've done the work, we all are still finding that we have more work to do even within ourselves and then especially within our communities as well. And so it has never bothered me that I'm singing to predominantly white audiences. I think it's a amazing opportunity to really be able to engage with people who might not necessarily have any skin in the game as far as like being concerned about the kinds of things that keep me up at, at five in the morning making videos like the video that we were talking about. But still, yeah. they care enough about the betterment of this world for their neighbors and for their friends that they're invested in justice. And so because of that, it's an important responsibility. And I really I don't take it lightly at all. It means a lot to be able to sing those songs in front of anybody, but to be able to just sit in a room full of people who honestly 
are the ones who are going to help make the difference because it's just like with anything else. It's like with the LGBTQ movement. It wasn't just the LGBTQ community who made those incredible changes happen. Mm. It was all of those straight allies coming in there and saying, I don't want my kid to grow up and not be able to be able to love who they want to love freely and have a happy life. It was all of those parents being upset about the world not being good enough for their kids and they knew their kids deserved the world to be a little bit better. So it's the same thing with all of these other types of justice, with climate justice, with economic justice, with criminal justice reform, all of those things. It takes the full community to get that change. And so because of that, it is an incredible responsibility to be able to sing to those allies day in and day out and try to reach more and more and more of them. It's very important work. And I am so grateful for the opportunity to be a change agent. Oh, man. Yeah, definitely. Wow. So who was it that coined you the next Woody Guthrie? Because I'm telling you, <laughs> seriously, it's literally sounds just like what he was trying to do. <laughs> yeah, that means so much. Yeah. The first time I heard somebody say it, I was playing at a rally for Moms Demand and the Brady campaign. I do a, a lot of advocacy with gun safety and gun law reform and things like that. And they were introducing me and this lovely woman who is like one of their higher ups just looked at the audience and was just like, and please put your hands together for the next Woody Guthrie, wow. Chris Matthews. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, did she just say that? And it was like the first wow. time I ever heard anybody say it. And I've heard people say it since then. Now that is something that completely blows me away. I'm so honored to even be mentioned in the breath with the genius like Woody. Yeah. Just so passionate about justice, so passionate about making this world better. And yeah, that's the thing that's so beautiful about being in this community, in this folk community. We have so many incredible artists who are so passionate about using their art for good. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to inspire people with my music, but then I'm listening to all these incredible folk artists who are keeping my well full, who are keeping me inspired and keeping me hopeful as well. We're so fortunate to have such an amazing bench of talent, of yep. incredible singer-songwriters who are so passionate and so committed to justice. It's beautiful. Yeah, we are. And I say that all the yeah. time. We're so blessed. Were you at Nerfa when Nora Guthrie was there? That's Woody's daughter? No. Oh, man, you should meet her. I'm hoping to uh, I'm hoping to get to hear her at Woody Fest this year, though. I'll be out there in July. So. Oh, you're going? Yeah, I'm playing, so I'm really excited. I mean, I've not been, but I know so many people. I think this is going to change your life, literally. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, you've been? This will be my second time. Yeah, the first time I went, I was just blown away. It was absolutely incredible. So I'm excited to get to go back again, and this time I'm going to get to take Heather May with me. So another social justice change maker. So I'm so pumped. I'm so excited. <laughs> she the next person on my list of things to chat with you about. You've been doing a lot of work with Heather May, who again, yeah, I think the first time I saw her and heard her sing must have been also at Nerfa. And I watched her set with my mouth open to the ground and did not take a breath from the moment she started to the moment she ended. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty incredible. I'd never seen anything like her either. And so happy that she's continuing to make music. Yeah. And so happy that you guys found each other. Yeah, she's something special. So tell us the story about how you guys met and why you decided to work with each other. Yeah, so we actually met probably, I guess, eight years or so ago now. When I first moved to the Northern Virginia area, we ended up kind of finding ourselves in similar circles with other musicians in the area playing it. They have this one thing called the nine where it's like nine singer songwriters for one night of music. You kind of all pull your fans together. Cool. So we did one of those and then... 
over the years, we just kind of kept in touch with each other. And then she released her album called I Am Enough. And it has this really amazing song oh. up there called Stand Up. Yeah. And it is like this anthem, this social justice anthem of a song. It's so powerful. Mm-hmm. And so as she's kind of coming into her own as a social justice songwriter, I'm kind of on the other side of town coming into my own as a social justice songwriter as well. And we ended up keeping in touch with what each other was doing and keeping up with our, our work and things like that and ended up sharing a show and just really, really connected deeper and deeper. And then in 20, the first year was either 2017 or 2018, we decided let's pull our fans and have this big giant pride tour and just go on the road. And so we did just like a little short run the first year and then a slightly bigger run the next year. And then by 2019, we decided, okay, we're going to go big. We both had the same agent <laughs> at this point And we're like, okay, we're going to do this thing. We had like 36 shows in 24 days or something crazy like that. It was nuts. And, um, wow. Or the opposite of that. And so we ended up playing from coast to coast. We made this LGBTQ super group. It was yeah. me and Heather and then JJ Jones from Girly Man <laughs> and Joe Stevens from Coyote Grace. Oh. And just playing this amazing pride tour. Basically, it was a pride tour called the Singing Out Tour. Oh, wow. And just such an incredible collaboration in so many ways, on so many levels. I mean, she is such a force to be reckoned with on her own and it's like even though she's this phenomenal pop Mm -hmm. singer with like this crazy amazing voice and I'm like this little folk singer the message in our music just meshes so well and so it really was just this effortless thing I mean we just collaborated so beautifully together and it's just like we spent this entire summer performing together and just getting closer and closer and just getting to know each other so well. And it's like, man, it's so weird for me to even hear my music without her singing. Like if you listen to Changemakers, so much of the background vocals, that's actually Heather singing background vocals on the album. Really? Along with myself with some and then Kashana Armstrong on a couple of tracks as well. But it's just awesome. I was joking with somebody the other day, we played this house concert and I said, we're kind of like the LGBTQ Johnny and June. (laughs) I love, I love singing with her so much. It makes me so happy. Oh, that puts a big smile on my face, too, because uh, I went to one of her house concerts in Philly a couple of years ago, and just, I'm a big fan. Yeah, yeah, she's something special. Yeah, Heather May, that's M-A-E, Yep. if you're looking her up, but definitely look both these ladies up. Yeah, it's so funny now, like, one doesn't come up without the other. I was, like, Googling myself the other day, again, peak Aries moment, <laughs> and it was just like, if you like Chris Matthews, you might also enjoy Heather May, and I was like, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Please tell her I say hi and give her a big hug for me. I will. I sure will. Yeah, she's upstairs right now listening to me gloat about her. Okay. Of course she is. (laughs) Big smile, huh? (laughs) That's great. I'm excited that you guys found each other and I'm happy that you guys are happy. Yeah, for sure. What a beautiful surprise. What a beautiful surprise. Very cool. Have you written any music together? Actually, we did. We call it Pandemic Perks because this crazy time that we've been living in, this very dark, scary time, Mm -hmm. there are still these little bits of silver lining here and there. And for us, one of the first Pandemic Perks to kind of rear its head was getting to write a song together. We just had come off the road promoting her album Glimmer. And then we had a little run of shows up in Vermont. And as the pandemic was kind of starting and all of our gigs were getting canceled and we found ourselves stuck at home, I got this message from one of our fans who had seen us at the show in Vermont that was saying she was so grateful that she got a chance to see us and meet us because now she was being isolated from her partner because her partner worked on the front line and they had just gotten engaged, but because they had kids and this was so early on in the pandemic, we didn't know like what was safe for people or anything like that. Mm -hmm. They were staying away from each other. And she just wrote this really beautiful, sweet, 
letter to me. And then like the day after I saw that, I saw a friend's Facebook post, one of my Jewish friends who was talking about, this was when people were complaining so heavily about being told to stay home for the sake of keeping themselves safe. Mm -hmm. She was really doing this beautiful job of putting in perspective how during the Holocaust, people were having to stay hidden for literal fear of losing their lives or being killed. And so here we are being told to stay home where we can still sing and still dance and still have all of this joy, this very loud, beautiful joy. And all we're being told to do is just stay home and do it there. And people were complaining about that. And so kind of like the juxtaposition of those two things, I started writing this song and uh, Heather walked into my room and heard me playing it. And she was just like, what is that? And I played it for her. I was like, what do you think of this? And she was just like, we're going to write this song together. We're definitely going to write this song together. So we wrote this beautiful pandemic power ballad called Six Feet Apart. Just gorgeous song. So much fear, so much chaos. You've been asking who's going to save us. Turn off the TV and turn off your phone. Yeah, we're safe if we stay at home. We can sing if we want to. We can still dance the whole night through. We can lock eyes from across the room. We don't need to touch. I can feel you. Six feet apart won't stop us. Don't need to hold you in my arms. I still know you in the dark. Just cause I can't kiss you underneath the moonlight. Doesn't mean you have to feel alone tonight Let's get closer From six feet apart I can't remember the last time I slowed down long enough to memorize The lines on your face And the way your laugh lights up Yeah, you can find that online. It's so beautiful. We're so proud of that. Oh, I was actually wondering if you would play us a song, which I've forgotten to ask you like 20 minutes ago. (laughs) I know. We've been having so much fun chatting. Oh, my God. I totally have been so in (laughs) awe of this chat that I totally forgot to ask you. (laughs) Would you consider doing a song for us live? Yes, I would be glad to do that. So this is the very first song on Changemakers. And this song is called Exactly Where You Are. And it's kind of what a lot of the album is about. Even with all of the heavy topics, it's still ultimately about being able to meet somebody where they are and find that common ground. I've traveled all across this land Up the Gold Coast and back Fewer strangers than I've found friends. A little princess drawing at breakfast with 
wonder in her eyes An immigrant on the phone with her abuela Saying goodbye Planes and trains and buses too No us and them, just me and you Every person's like a book With a story yet to tell A hidden gem buried deep within the depths Farewell, hello, how's it going? How's your journey been so far? It's nice to meet you, nice to meet you Exactly where you are from Ohio who still sings with every track a ramming man with his whole life packed upon his tired back planes and trains and buses to no us and them just me and you every person's like a book with a story yet to tell a hidden gem buried Farewell, hello, how's it going? How's your journey been so far? It's nice to meet you, nice to meet you Exactly where you are Has a journey far and wide I've tried to reach out across the great divide Across those knowns and those unknowns That keep us in opposing corners so alone This or that, insert whatever social construct that you like I hope all our better angels take the wheel for a while Planes and trains and buses too Know us and them, just me and you Just me and you Just me and you, yeah Just me and you, yeah And every person's like a book With a story yet to tell A hidden gem buried deep within the depths Farewell, hello your journey been so far It's nice to meet you Nice to meet you Exactly, exactly Exactly where you are <laughs> Wow Bravo Oh, thanks so much That was awesome <laughs> Thank you so much for doing that for us my pleasure. That's incredible. And that's on the new album, right? Yep. The very first track, we've got Kathy oh. Fink and Marcy Marks are oh. playing banjo and uke up there and Mr. Bob Beach playing some phenomenal harmonica. Absolutely. Get out. Oh, Isn't yeah. he the best? 
it was such a blast. I mean, that was one of the cool things about the album was like the players who were on those songs to be able to make this beautiful album that is folk social justice and to be able to do it with so many of those incredible players who are just such staples in the folk community that we love so much. It, It meant so much to me to have them on this album. And especially on that song, it's really beautiful. It's one of my favorites up there. Oh, he's incredible. We were in a little trio together when I was living in Philly just for fun, sort of just kicking around Philly, Philly style. And I'm oh, a yeah. big fan and just adore him. Oh, yeah. He's so great. Such a great guy. I think he's one of the best harmonic players I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. For sure, for sure. This is something I ask every artist, and I love the answers that have come back to me. So I will ask you the same. Is there a song that surprises you when the audience comes up to you and says, that's the one that that really touched me? Is there a particular song that you just never would have thought would have been the one? Gosh, that is such a hard question. I think also just because of the type of music that I sing, there's so many of them that people are so impacted by. It's this little thing that happens in live music where you're singing a song and you get done. And before people start applauding, there's this very sweet, very gentle, very subtle, audible. Mm. Yeah. That they often make. Yep. Yep. When I hear that little noise, I know that those goosebumps that I'm feeling, I'm not the only one that got those in that room in that moment. Yeah. And there are a couple of songs where that happens almost every single time. And that is always a beautiful kind of exchange of energy. And it's a song called When Something Is Missing. That happens very, very often on. Mm. It's one of my favorite things. I mean, that song's not even recorded or released, but I love singing it just for that, just for knowing that people have felt that. But like, it's literally, I'm just a conduit for this other thing. Making these people have this incredible moment (laughs) is pretty beautiful. That's one of my favorite things to have happen. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. So ready to get back to that feeling. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Would you consider playing that song for us or did you have another one in mind? Yeah. Do you want me to sing that for you now? I would love it. Have you ever needed a room to breathe? Just a respite from the noise Some steady ground To find your footing Before the riptides of your life Pull you underneath So busy trying to make your mark You've almost let your spark go dark Second guessing keeps you grasping It keeps you grasping your straws But there's no drowning Drowning when you let yourself pause. When you need to give a little more than what you got left to give, and when something is missing but you don't know what it is, well, you can say, Whoa, 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 coming at you faster now before you know it all your time all your money all your luck all your love 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 seems to run out somehow so busy staring at that clock 
won't see just what you got The day-to-day grind, it keeps you spinning It keeps you spinning your wheels And there's no winning There's no winning a race that isn't real So when you need to give a little more Than what you got left to give And when something is missing but you don't know So when you need to give a little more than what you've got left to give, and when something is missing but you don't know what it is, when you need a light in the day just to find your way home, when you're trying to hold over something but it's already gone, let me hear you say I don't mean to be cliche, but wow. <laughs> Thank wow. you so much. <laughs> Let me wipe the tears from my eyes. Give me a second. Okay, we're good. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a Chris Matthews show up to if somebody's not crying, you know. <laughs> oh, I needed that song. Thank you. That's one of those. It always seems to rear its head right when somebody needs it, including me. That one I sing for myself pretty often. So don't you get a lot of people singing along with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. It's the best. Uh, There's actually a video of me singing that in Peterborough, New Hampshire, and you can hear the entire room yes. singing that. And it is so beautiful. Yes. When I'm having a bad day, I go find that video on YouTube and just listen to that. It's so lovely. Yes. Awesome. Now, has your mom been to many shows? Yeah. Now, her pandemic perk is definitely these virtual performances because she gets to come to a lot more of my shows. So she's actually been really enjoying the streaming quite a bit. That's awesome. But yeah, she got to see me play at the Birchmere, which was, of course, was a dream come true. Yeah. To be able to play that room and to have my mom with me that night. It was something special. Yeah. I'm really glad. That makes me very happy. Thank you so much for playing that song. I really appreciate that. My pleasure. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question I ask everybody. Okay. Tell us something about you that nobody would ever guess. Could be quirky, could be funny, could be serious. Wow. (laughs) There are a few. So, okay, I'll tell one that I think some people do know about now. But, I mean, when I say I'm a band nerd, like, I'm a hardcore band nerd. So, like, my secret pleasure when I'm on the road, if I'm, like, stressed and just need to relax or something like that, I am a hardcore Pokemon Go player. Hardcore. Hardcore. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Not laughing. Not laughing. Not laughing. It's okay. I'm secure. I do not mind one bit. 
<laughs> so that's one thing. Vance Gilbert got mad at me because I laughed at his. And he's like, if you're going to ask me that question, don't be laughing. And I'm like, okay, you're right. You're right. You're no, right. no, it doesn't bother me yeah. one bit. So that's one weird thing. Let's see, kind of a quirky thing. Hmm. I used to do this trick all the time when I was a kid. So I can wiggle my lips, my nose, and my ears at the same time. What the? I know. It's crazy town. It's crazy. Now we need video for this. People, you're going to have to get your towns vaccinated so that I can come play a show for you so you can see me do that at the merch table afterwards. Bam. I'm all about that. That's so cool. Do you have any live gigs coming into the works slowly but surely? Yeah, actually. So I played my very first show in Reston, Virginia. And so then in June, June 18th through the 25th, Heather and I are actually going to be on the road. So we're actually going to be playing, I guess, about six shows. Yeah, I think we only have one day off that whole time. So we're playing six shows up in the Northeast from New Jersey all the way up to Vermont. Oh, I'm jealous. So folks, just keep your eyes out for us. We're coming through. Well, we're going to be airing this during Pride Month. So hopefully we'll get you up there before these shows hit and people can get their tickets fast. Yeah. If any of your listeners are in the D.C. area, we actually are doing a huge pride show in our hometown in DC at City Winery when? on June 27th. Oh, so fantastic. Please come to that show. That's great. Thanks for letting us know. And I have a lot of non-folky audience members. So can you tell us a little bit about what Patreon is all about and how people can find you on Patreon? Absolutely. So Patreon is this really cool thing. It was going long before the pandemic, but really has helped so many musicians in the pandemic. It's kind of a modern day version of being a patron of the arts. And so it's almost like a subscription too. It's like getting a Netflix subscription, but instead of getting cool movies, you get to have access to us and what we're doing. So you get to see like a lot of our songs when we first start writing them, you get to see kind of the processes of the songs evolving. For mine, I actually do something called the Changemakers Roundtable, where I have a social justice conversations with people actually with the community, which is a really cool thing that I love doing. That's cool. That is very cool. Yeah, it's awesome. So yeah, you can find me patreon.com slash Chris Matthews. But yeah, a lot of your favorite artists are going to have a Patreon. So check them out. Check us out. It's a great way to help support us, help keep us sane in these very uncertain times, but also get to see kind of the behind the curtain, what is happening in our creative world before we get the finished songs to you. It's a really cool thing. It is. It's great. And I'm glad you're doing it. Where can people find you elsewhere on the wild, wide world web. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm pretty easy to find just because my name is spelled so peculiarly, but it's just Chris Matthews almost everywhere. C-R-Y-S and Matthews with two T's. But if you want a one-stop shop, just go to chrismatthews.com. You can find pretty much anything you need there. Merch, tour dates, mailing list, sign up, all of that stuff. Yeah. Pick your poison. I'm all over social media. So just C-R-Y-S and Matthews with two T's. Oh, Chris, thank you so much for spending some time with us and chatting. My pleasure. I've so enjoyed getting to chat with you and getting to know you a little better. And I can't wait to see you on the road. Yeah, just delightful. Thank you so, so much for being <laughs> part of Folk Pod. And we'll see you out on the road. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you all for having me. This was a delight, Cheryl. It was really, really great. Thank you so much. Folk Pod is a production of Long Story Short with me, Cheryl Prashker, your host, producer, and lead schmoozer and Shauna Boniface, creator, producer, and editor. Like and subscribe to FolkPod wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us five stars on iTunes. It really helps raise our profile for more listeners. Catch us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Folk Pod. Thanks for listening, and hope to see you next time. Make a trouble every chance you